Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a special Friday edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at jreednfl. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. And shoot me a follow on there. I do my best to keep the timeline as entertaining as possible. Film cut-ups, things that I'm hearing, just my thoughts on certain prospects. And if I find out special draft notes about prospects, I'll make sure to tweet them out as well. And that seems to be something you guys enjoy, but... Something you guys really did enjoy was my State of the Franchise series where I do a deep dive into each franchise in the NFL. And I'm not going to forget about the teams that don't have a first-round pick. Saints fans, Cowboy fans, Bears fans. I did not forget about you. I'm going to get to your team. We're going to continue the series with the Denver Broncos who have the 10th pick, the Bengals who have the 11th pick, and the Packers who have the 12th and the 30th overall pick in today's show. This is something that's going to happen every Friday from here on out. I'm going to eventually get through each and every team. And it's just my thoughts about what each team could possibly be thinking about going into draft day. And we concluded with the Bills the last time we were here with the ninth pick. So let's get right into it with the Broncos. We have to talk about Vic Fangio, who is the new leader in charge now. Defensive coordinator coming over from the Chicago Bears brings an attacking defense with him. And that's something that John Elway really wanted to get back to and something that he thought he had with Vance Joseph, which didn't prove to be the case. He's now gone about his way. Vic Fangio now comes into the door and there's a sense of excitement now. And the first thing that they do is they bring Joe Flacco in, who I think is firmly entrenched as their quarterback of the now. And we'll see what they do at the top of the draft. I'm still not sure that they're going to take a quarterback at 10. Yes, I know John Elway has been salivating over Drew Locke. I saw it for myself at the Senior Bowl. He stood behind them at practice every single day. So it's very evident that they are interested in Drew Locke. Drew Locke's pro day was yesterday where he looked fantastic. Of course, that's going to be an environment where he's set up to succeed, where the ball is just flying off his hands. He can show off his arm strength, his B-plus level of accuracy, and it's just an environment where teams are just going to fall in love with him, in my opinion. It wouldn't be surprising to see him be the second quarterback off the board. And if a team trades up for him, we'll see if that does end up happening. But I think he's going to go much earlier than what we're predicting. Now, is that going to be the Broncos? I highly doubt it. Even though they love Drew Locke, I just don't believe that they're going to take a quarterback at 10. I don't know why. I just have that feeling that they have the trust in Joe Flacco to lead them going forward. Because with Vic Fangio's defense, they need a quarterback that just doesn't turn the ball over. They already have a strong running game. Royce Freeman, Phillip Lindsay are already in the building, so they have the running game behind him. And then you combine that with the defense that they already do have in place. Bradley Chubb, Von Miller coming off the edge. You have good second-level defenders. The secondary is still a work in progress. But Justin Simmons is a very enticing piece on the back end. And Bryce Callahan has been a great addition, who they brought over just now from the Bears, who already knows Vic Fangio's system. But the durability and concerns are going to be the thing that does carry with him. And we'll see if he does end up finishing the season this year. He wasn't able to last year, missing most of the playoff games that they did have a year ago in Chicago before the heartbreaking loss to the Eagles. And something that I love that the Broncos did is they didn't put a lot of pressure on themselves with this draft. They go out and fill their need at right tackle with Jawan James. You bring Joe Flacco in in a trade with the Ravens. You also go satisfy your need at corner with Bryce Callahan. You bring him over from Chicago, as I alluded to earlier. And their biggest need right now, I would say, is tight end. You need a tight end in the building. The depth chart just isn't looking good right there. Jeff Hireman 
is an okay piece. Troy Fumagalli hasn't lived up to expectations like they expected in the fifth round getting him Jake Butt. He was an injury walking in the door. He has, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy to this point. His upside hasn't looked great, and his outlook doesn't really look that great going forward either. So they need that high-end talent walking into the door, and they're going to have their options at the top of this draft because this is a historically great tight end class. You talk about Noah Fant. TJ Hawkinson, Irv Smith, the list goes on and on. And then you even get to the second tier guys like a Dax Raymond, a Kylie Warren. And the list goes on and on even after that as well. Jay Sternberger is another name that they could potentially bring in as well, even if they don't want to go, let's say, a trade back situation from that 10th pick from a team that's trying to trade up for a quarterback. If they want to secure their tight end, even if they stay in the top 20 or if they want to wait to the second round they can secure their guy there another need that i think they do have is that the right guard spot and i think a guy that's a perfect fit for them he's a hometown kid and it's dalton reisner from kansas state he has experience at center and right tackle he's never played guard before in his career but a lot of experts or evaluators are thinking that he's going to make a seamless transition to that spot i had a good talk with him down at the senior bowl and he just wants to win he doesn't really care what he does play along the offensive line hasn't surrendered a sack since week five of 2016, which is just a phenomenal stat. And he walked me through that on the very first episode of the Draft Board Podcast, and he actually remembers it. And it's something that stuck with him. He takes pride in everything that he does. And if he is able to suit up for the Denver Broncos, they would get a guy that's going to give their all every single game just because it's a bit different when you're playing in your home state. From Wiggins, Colorado, so he'd be in his home state, He'd be playing for his hometown team, the team he grew up rooting for. So Dalton Reisner could definitely be an option. But if they want to wait a little longer and not take him, let's say at the top of the second round, they can get another guy like Eric McCoy, Bo Benshaw, Michael Dieter. There's a lot of names that can pop up that the Broncos could have or could feel at that right guard spot. So going into the draft, I would say the Broncos' top needs are tight end and guard. There's a lot of names that they could satisfy those needs with. And I'm really interested to see exactly how they do go about filling both of those needs. Moving on to the 11th overall pick and a team that has kind of been the punching bag of the league over the past two decades. And it's the Cincinnati Bengals. This team has so many needs. And Marvin Lewis is out the door now for what seems like he's been there forever. He's been there since 2003. So now they're turning the page and they've kind of opened a new book. And they took a risk with their head coaching hire, Zach Taylor, who's in his early 30s. And he's, of course, he has the Sean McVay connection. And it seems like every team around the league has now hired somebody that has been a contact or been in contact with Sean McVay. Zach Taylor is just the next disciple of Sean McVay to come into the building with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I like the risk because this is a franchise that doesn't have anything to lose. They've been known as mediocre for the past two decades. And it seems like they need an uplift of somehow. So they brought this young coach in that can bring a new offensive dynamic. We'll see what happens with the defense. They took forever to get a defensive coordinator in the building, but now that they have him in there, they're going to mold this team to how they want to mold it. And that's what I love about what the Bengals have done this offseason. They have a lot of questions to answer with this roster, though. You bring back Bobby Hart, which I thought was a massive, massive mistake. You pay him $7 million a year, and there was just much better options on the market. And you talk about a team that really hasn't changed their reputation over the years, and they've just been middle of the road. And I thought a signing like that really signified that they're still on the same type of path, and they haven't changed their style. Even though Zach Taylor is brought into the building now, they're still spending on mediocre free agents and guys that don't really stand out. And Bobby Hart was an exact example 
of that. But some questions that they do have to answer is what is going on with Andy Dalton? What do they think about him going forward? There's no more dead money attached to his contract after signing a lucrative extension many years ago. And so they don't have any ties to Andy Dalton with Zach Taylor now at the helm. And something that happens with head coaches, the first position that they want to bring through the door, they want to have their imprint on the quarterback position. And with Zach Taylor being a quarterback guy everywhere that he has been, he wants to bring in his own guy. And I think he's going to give Andy Dalton a chance to prove himself. So I would not rule out them going quarterback at 11. And I think they would trade up to get their guy because, once again, he has no ties to Andy Dalton. And this organization really wants to turn the page away from Marvin Lewis. Andy Dalton is a Marvin Lewis guy. And they have a huge need at quarterback. Andy Dalton, he's as good as he's going to get right now. He's mediocre. And then another thing you have to take into account is the division that they're in. They're in the AFC North. Yes, the Steelers are on the downswing right now. But the Cleveland Browns, everyone knows that they're on the upswing right now. They're probably the hottest team in the NFL right now as far as an offseason standpoint and the moves that they have made. Everyone is so excited to see the outlook of how they do this year with the Baltimore Ravens. You have to be able to play defense against them. You have to have an offense that can keep up and cash in when you're presented with the opportunities against the Ravens because you're not going to get a lot of possessions against the Ravens because they have such an offensive dominating attack with their running game with Lamar Jackson. They've put that offense on his shoulders. So the Bengals have kind of been left in the dust right now in this division. So they have to find a way to create some type of excitement. And what way then to trade up to get your guy? Now, whether that's a Dwayne Haskins or a Drew Locke, we'll see what does happen with that. Zach Taylor was reportedly at both pro days. So he's doing his homework on all of these guys. And they have to find a way to generate some type of excitement. Otherwise, they're going to be left in the basement for a very long time in this division. Lamar Jackson is not going anywhere anytime soon. Baker Mayfield is obviously not going anywhere anytime soon. So they have to find a way to keep up with the teams in this division. Maybe they could catch the Steelers over time because they're in their twilight days. I think they're probably going to be on the decline next year. But the Bengals roster is just so far away from all of those teams. And another position that I think they do need to address is in the middle. Fontes Burfick is gone now. He signed with the Raiders. They need to have a second-level defender that teams fear around the division. And what better way to match their offensive output and the offensive pieces that have entered into this division over the past two years than to get a guy like a Devin White or a Devin Bush at 11. Now, we'll see if Devin White does make it to 11. The outlook is not looking great right now for him to make it to that spot. But I think Devin Bush definitely could be there for the taking. And they should not shy away from taking him at that spot because he definitely is a first-round type of talent. And make no mistake about it, do not let his size fool you. Him and Devin White are the exact same size. They tested very similarly in a lot of categories as well. And Devin Bush is not getting the love that he deserves. And I think he's the perfect type of player that they need in the middle of Cincinnati because they do not have an identity on this team at all. A.J. Green really has been that guy, but he's not your vocal leader that you're looking for. He's a more lead-by-example guy. And Vontez Burfick has been the most notable name on that defense for a long time. Yes, they have Geno Atkins. Carlos Dunlap has been there forever. Both of those guys have been there for a long time. But on that second and the third level of their defense, they just are lacking talent and speed. William Jackson has been a nice piece, but he's been inconsistent. He's been up and down from time to time. But if you get a guy like Devin Bush can fly around sideline to sideline, he can match that Lamar Jackson style of ground and pound offense. He can get after the quarterback and Baker Mayfield. He can fly around the field and match all of those weapons that they do have. And now you have that centerpiece that you can build around. Another position I would really like to see them address is tight end. 
And Tyler Eifert has been there forever. But at this point, you cannot depend on Tyler Eifert to stay healthy. He's missed multiple seasons in consecutive years with pop-up injuries that really have been unpredictable. But the saying is, once a guy has an injury bug, he really always keeps it. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or even all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with the title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, my bookie is the perfect place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. My bookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Again, deposit with my bookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B L U E W I R E, for a 50% sign up bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Moving on to the team that finished a disappointing 6-9-1 a year ago, and that's the Green Bay Packers who hold the 12th and the 30th overall pick. And they got the 30th overall pick because the New Orleans Saints, they slid back in last year's draft as part of the Marcus Davenport deal. And that really seems like a deal that worked out for best for both parts or both sides so far. And we'll see what the Packers do end up doing with that draft pick. And that's a pick that's always going to be compared to Marcus Davenport just because that's just how things work in the NFL. There's always going to be a comparison whenever a trade is made. But with this team, I absolutely love what they have done in free agency. You bring in Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Adrian Amos, three guys that are really on the upswing in their careers. They're all ascending players. They're not older free agents like they have been accustomed to bringing in in years past. Now you're bringing in three guys that are really just scratching the surface of entering their primes. Adrian Amos, who they stole from the Bears with a lucrative deal. Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, who also comes over to fill their dire need that they had off of the edge. And you bring in two of the supreme or superior edge rushers in the entire free agency class. And a lot of Packer fans were really upset because Brian Gutekunst did not do anything on the first day of free agency. But what he did was smart. He laid down in the weeds, he let the dust settle, and he still went in and got his guys. He really was negotiating on the first day of free agency, and he had already targeted exactly who he wanted on the first day, but he didn't. He waited until the second day to execute and strike on deals. And a productive player that they did bring in was Billy Turner from the Denver Broncos. And I know he's had some struggles in Denver, but they paid him as if he's a starter, and he's going to be their starter at that right guard spot. And so with the Packers, you're filling all of your needs and it makes you take the best player available at 12 and even at 30. But they still have a hole at tight end. Jimmy Graham hasn't been what they really expected to this point. And I think they have an underrated need at wide receiver because you only have Devontae Adams really at that spot. Otherwise, you really have guys that are really third or fourth type of wide receivers. Geronimo Allison has been a really nice find as an undrafted free agent in 2016. Equinemia St. Brown, who was a sixth-round pick last year. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who was a fifth-round pick of a year ago as well. So they brought in some really nice late-round guys last year, but I really don't see the upside associated with them to be that number two dominant guy next to Devontae Adams, who has already announced his presence as a firm wide receiver one. They did a fantastic job of finding him in the second round. 
in 2014. So they really need a number two guy to really relax the pressure of some of those guys like St. Brown and Allison and Valdez Scantling to step up to be in that number two role just because I don't think they really have the upside to be that. Yes, and I know I floated out that we should be talking about DK Metcalf at 12 a little bit more, but the more I thought about it, they're probably not going to take a wide receiver early just because they have some more dire needs. They have a need at tight end, and I think a sneaky need that they do have is at safety, even though they brought Adrian Amos in. I don't think they really have supreme confidence in Josh Jones going forward, their second-round pick from 2017. But you bring in Adrian Amos to be that single high guy that can roam the middle of the field from time to time. I think their corners are okay. Kevin King has been decent. Josh Jackson is still developing. Jair Alexander, I think he's a stud, the first-round pick from a year ago. They have some questions on the second level of their defense, particularly in the middle. Blake Martinez is a decent player. But their only other interior linebacker, inside linebacker, is James Crawford. So they're really lacking depth there. Kyla Fackrell was a really good player, had 10 sacks a year ago. I think they've really supplied their need along the defensive line. But something I do want to say, imagine if this team takes Ed Oliver at 12. You talk about bringing in Ed Oliver, and then you have a three-man rotation in the middle of Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, and Ed Oliver. But you can also move Ed Oliver around with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith as well. So you talk about a division with Kirk Cousins, with Mitch Trubisky, and also with Matthew Stafford. So there's some decent quarterbacks in that division. And you want to be able to get after the quarterback in the NFC North because you're going to have to play good defense because there is some explosive offenses. And we know on the other side of the ball, the Packers are playing with the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. So Brian Gutekunst has really put an emphasis on the defense and building up that defense. So Ed Oliver at 12, I think that would be a home run selection if he just happens so to fall that far. Another pick that I really do like, maybe not at 12, but if they want to slide back and trade back again, similarly to like they did last year with the New Orleans Saints, and they could take a Noah Fant or a TJ Hawkinson because their tight end depth chart is really thin. Jimmy Graham just hasn't lived up to expectations when they brought him over last year. Mercedes Lewis is more of your run-blocking type of tight end, but he can be a pass catcher in some spurts, but they don't have any depth behind any of those guys. So imagine bringing in Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, or even a Irv Smith, if that's what they so choose to do so, with one of those picks. And Irv Smith, they're not going to take him that high, maybe not even at 30. But at 44, I definitely think he could be firmly in the discussion. And with him only being a 20-year-old rookie, imagine him growing with Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, his entire career isn't going to be with Aaron Rodgers. But during the earlier portions of his career, just imagine him growing and learning with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Another player that I think could be in play for them, and even at 30, and a fit that I absolutely love, and that's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the safety from Florida. Why do I love the fit? with Gardner Johnson with the Packers because Mike Pettin's defense is known to rotate pieces in the back end all over the place. We saw with Jair Alexander last year. He played some in the slot. He played some in the outside as well. They like to blitz him a lot. And then you bring in and you couple him with a guy like Gardner Johnson who can play all four positions on any side of the back end of the defense. And now you're creating those ultimate chess pieces with Gardner Johnson's, with Jair Alexander, and even with a Josh Jackson. It makes less pressure you have on him because now you have both of those tool pieces on the back end of your defense with Gardner Johnson and Jair Alexander. If they're able to bring in Gardner Johnson and pair him in that secondary with all of those young pieces that they do have, 
I think that would be an outstanding fit. And, and something that you're seeing general manager Brian Gutekunst do is he's putting more pressure on the defense because he know, he already knows that he has an explosive offense. That's the least of his worries right now. He wants to build up that defense and really wants to make one last run. I shouldn't say one last run. He wants to take advantage of the latter years of Aaron Rodgers' career because he's getting older. He just signed the long extension, and he's not going to play forever. He probably has, I would say, six to seven more good years. Overall, it's going to be really interesting to see exactly what happens with the Denver Broncos with the 10th overall selection now that Vic Fangio wants to leave his imprint on this defense. But also, is Joe Flacco the quarterback of the now and the future, or do they want to trade up and go get their quarterback of the future? That will be some of the things to look at going forward for the Denver Broncos. With the 11th overall selection with the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor is now at the helm. Andy Dalton's future is very cloudy to this point with no dead money attached going forward. So how is Zach Taylor going to leave his imprint on the Bengals going forward? And a team that seems to be stuck in neutral and in mediocrity, how is he going to start to create an identity with the Cincinnati Bengals as they turn the page away from Marvin Lewis? With the Green Bay Packers, who hold the 12th and the 30th overall selection, they've bought in edge help. they fulfilled their need in that spot with Zadarius Smith and also Preston Smith. On the back end with Adrian Amos, who was a nice piece that they brought over from the division rival Chicago Bears. And they've spent smart money on ascending players. That's something that has been different from in years past where they didn't really dabble in free agency or they bought in old guys who were looking for that one-year deal where they could recreate themselves. That's something that they have shied away from this year. And they want to bring in supreme talent on that defensive side of the ball. So keep an eye on the Packers with the 12th and the 30th overall pick. Next Friday, we will get into the Miami Dolphins, who hold the 13th overall pick. Chris Greer and Brian Flores are still trying to rebuild that roster, and they seem to be looking towards the future with all of the moves that they have made to this point. The 14th overall selection with the Atlanta Falcons, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov are always looking for athletic type of players who fit their profiles. The 15th overall selection with the Washington Redskins, a team that really has a lot of needs, Going forward, they've made the trade for Case Keenum, but they're still probably going to be looking for their quarterback of the future in this draft with Alex Smith sidelined for an extended period of time. We don't even know if he's even going to play again. So with that 15th pick, they're kind of too far back to really select their quarterback of the future of the top three guys in Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, and Drew Locke. So are they a candidate to trade up into the top five or even the top three? Those are some of the topics that we will cover in the next Friday edition of the State of the Franchise series. But once again, I wanted to thank you guys for listening to the special Friday edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at jreednfl. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. Make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend to listen to the podcast, subscribe, and leave a five-star review.